1: You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court appoints one for you. Do you understand your rights?
0: When the wall is at your door, you run in
1: or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, I have my brother from another mother, how are you? What are you ever doing? I'm doing well. Jim Chapman, y'all. I know you know the voice by now. And guess what? It's the holiday season again, and Christmas is upon us.
2: We wish you a Merry and, Christmas. That's
1: right. And I love all you lifers. Thank you for everything, your Patreon and convicts. We love you. The show wouldn't run without you. Like we did for Thanksgiving, uh, we did a bloody end goal of Real Life Real Crime episode swap. And – we, the the one we released for Thanksgiving week from Bloody Angola was Brent Miller Part One, and oh my gosh, did we have the response on it? So we had an amazing it was huge the numbers were like probably the highest ever in a day. And what we want to do, and it's such an important story, uh, absolutely, uh, I think the best work that we've ever done. The best episode that we ever did on Bloody and Go in my opinion. Right. And I had such deep personal connections uh, to the story. And if you hadn't, go back and listen to, to part one. But Jim did a phenomenal job on, on the research and everything. And it's just really important. So this time for Christmas, we're going to give you part two. Brent Miller, part two. And check it out.
2: Listen to you. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and if you, it, 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 we know you will, and right. and once you enjoy it, go back to Bloody Angola and listen to part three. That's right. a three part right. series. Right. So if you if you do like what you're hearing, you don't have to wait for till next Thanksgiving to hear right. the third yeah, part. Right. Uh, well, you might get it next Thanksgiving, <laughs> or right. Fourth of July, or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. Just head on over to Bloody Angola. Uh, podcast and you can part three is sitting there waiting on you that's it it's, and it's love
1: and um, we didn't want to leave y'all without anything when you're traveling and, and look if you haven't listened to Buddy Angola you need to check it out totally different than real life real crime but absolute fire uh, and every story is different some of them are harsh like the Brent Miller story which needed to be told some of them are, are uplifting like Billy Cannon's story and stuff like that so y'all go, go check it out and, and like us and subscribe to it um and share it everywhere. Yes. So Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas and happy birthday, Jesus. And I hope all you kids get what you want from Santa Claus. Merry Christmas. Mama, I hope you everybody. get what you want from Santa Claus. I hope you get what's never mind, say. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Lopa, Louisiana, Oregon Procurement Agency. Um Y'all be a hero. Give the gift of life, or sight, or whatever. If you're a lifer from, give me a country. New Zealand. If you're a lifer from New Zealand, and we actually have several from New Zealand, and you want to be an organ donor, you don't have to be from Louisiana. Go to lopa.org, fill out the form, and be a hero and give the gift of life and sight and all the great stuff that those people do. Uh, real quick, the Real real Life Real Crime fourth annual crew bash february 3rd and 4th tickets are on sale it'll be february 3rd and 4th at the at the basin in downtown baton rouge the uh, the third if you want to buy vip tickets get you in for a private exclusive deal with me that night and uh, uh, only like 200 people we're gonna hang out with everybody photographs autographs Uh, get drunk. Uh, We're going to have a great time. Uh, We're going to do some auction stuff. Get drunk first and then photograph. We're going to do all that, too. And just like we did last year, if if you know, then you know, or or if you were there, then you know. And then, But if you can't come Friday night, you'll do the VIP. Oh, the the other thing, the VIP gets you in Saturday night for the live show that gets your seat an hour ahead of everybody else. But if you don't want to do that, and you can only come Saturday night, those tickets are on sale, too. Go to eventbrite.com. Get them because they're going like hotcakes. Give them shit. Give them as a Christmas present. Right? And uh, But they won't be there for long, and we're going to sell it out again like we do every year, and it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And love y'all. Hope you enjoy Brent Miller Part 2. This is the story of America's bloodiest prison, told by the people who lived it, both inside and outside its gates. The brutal history, as you've never heard it before, from its origin as a slave plantation to its gradual growth as the bloodiest maximum security prison in America. To those outside its gates, it's known as Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola. But to those who have spent time inside its gates, It's known as Bloody Angola.
2: Come with us as we take you through the gates and give you a first-hand look at not only the stories of the stabbings, rapes, executions, escapes, and murders you won't find on any TV show or the internet, but also the murders, abductions, attacks, and hostage situations of the staff and their families, otherwise known by the convicts as free people.
1: Bloody Angola is a comprehensive, no-hold-barred podcast. It takes you on a journey through time from its inception as a slave plantation to America's largest maximum security prison, where 80% of its population will die
2: inside the wire. Get mentally prepared. Sit back and listen as we cover these stories in detail. In ways you've
1: never heard before from people that lived it, breathed it, and died with it, Bloody
0: Angola.
1: Warning, Bloody Angola is a podcast covering actual events, And is
2: intended for mature audiences. The subject matter discussed in no way reflects the personal opinions of the host or sponsors of this podcast. Thank you. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Bloody
1: Angola.
2: A podcast 142 years in the making. The true story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And the last time we left you, we had just concluded the first episode about Brent Miller, the guard who was attacked and killed with a lawnmower blade. It's a Sharpened lawnmower blade that some
1: inmate took off a mower and somehow got back through security, which, as we know, was pretty lax, right, in seventy two. Yeah. Um, but that why do you take a lawnmower blade? And sharpen it. That's like the ultimate shank, right? Shank being a weapon. Yeah. The you have that because you intend to do harm.
2: And harm they did brutally killed generational guard Brent Miller, stabbing him some thirty two plus times, depending on the account you read. Brent was sitting on an inmate's bunk
1: having coffee with Ezekiel Brown. Now, the inmate who liked Brent, they all liked him. The, um, but it just goes to show the animalistic behavior that it doesn't matter who you are. You know, and the, and Brent was a big boy, big athletic boy, boy, athletic, strong, good-looking. Everybody liked him. But for them, four convicts to take him by surprise, he would have followed him and they stabbed him Numerous, numerous times, well, in excess of 30 plus times. And I think when that's happening, well, I know, but this is the count. Certainly, we weren't there. This what my mom has been telling me since I was a little boy. And she, she, I mean, she knew him, uh, knew the families and everything else, but she said that she always heard his last words were,
2: why? Are you doing this to me? It's crazy. It's powerful. Woody you uh, as I think about this situation, and of course, we can put ourselves in this situation, and and what would we do? And and look, this guy was athletic. He was a big boy, um, muscular, uh, played wide receiver in high school. The first two or three times you hit him with that lawnmower blade, it clicked. I'm in a bind. Mm. And so you're fighting. You're fighting for your life. The reason we keep hammering down, there was four people involved in this, is because there were some that disputed that. Let me tell you, if I were Brent Miller, and you're stabbing me repeatedly with a lawnmower blade, you better you better have four people, because I'm fighting for my life at that point. And whoever... I'm fighting would have some marks on them. Whether they kill me or not is irrelevant, but I'm going to get a lick in. That's it.
1: You can get a lick in or bite them or whatever you can do.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a dog fight in there. Y'all, I can tell you
1: so many times throughout my career in corrections, on the street, detectives, it did not matter. If you have to fight somebody, even just, I'm not trying to kill them. I'm talking about trying to fight them to get them down to subdue hand subdue them to, to handcuff them, put handcuffs on them. There have been times where I've had five or six guys, and we're on top of this guy, and they're fighting, and you trying to just trying to get their hands behind the back to get the cuffs on them. So this is totally different. You got four people on top of you, and they're stabbing you, and you're fighting. So you imagine, I would imagine they're they're holding his arms down. Maybe somebody's Got a knee on his neck. I don't know, but I I can't imagine the horror of his last moments. Newly married, looking forward to his career,
2: good guy, being brutally murdered. You know, stabbing somebody to death is personal, and he was someone that was known to have respect Respect. for these inmates, and and so. The statement that he made that those last words, "Why are you doing this to me?" is because he legitimately, in his mind, I'm sure, could not make sense of it. I respected you guys. It wasn't, I wasn't one of those guards that maybe threw your cell apart when we were doing a shakedown. I, I always had respect there. Why me? Right,
1: right. And the just unbelievable, unimaginable, and. Again, our hearts go out to anybody who knew him and loved him. Um, y'all last time I said his wife uh I mistakenly said she was had to get dressed and go to school when she she dropped him off that morning. Yes. At work, but she warned him because of the firebombing of the guard tower the day before, and they knew something was about to pop off and he was like, oh, I'm gonna be okay. But she was uh in training to be a beautician is what it was, not high school gym. I said that wrong. And um her name is spelled L E O N T I N E, but they called her Tinnie, Tinny, I think. So yeah. but I mean it just had his whole life at him. Um,
2: yeah. Twenty three years it, 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 old. Dad might have raised another generation of millers to work on Angola. Yeah. yeah. So as you can imagine, and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and pick it up from I guess you could say the aftermath of right. of what just happened. So as you can imagine In a prison like Angola, a guard has just been viciously and brutally not only attacked, but killed. And now is the time they discover it. And we're going to kind of take it from there. Right. And so there's different conflicting
1: reports. And y'all, anything we say, if we get something wrong, Jim and I weren't there. We're trying to tell the story. We've done our research. Believe me. Uh, um, but if we get something wrong, then we apologize ahead of time. I mean, by by that, I mean if y'all were there, someone was there that day or whatever, and they saw something different, then we apologize. But think about the atmosphere, okay? Everything we told you about that morning, the inmates in the kitchen bucked up, refused to serve food, said so to bring the convicts back to the dorms, powers of be came in, quashed that got him to feed and they go back out and that's when Brent was killed and mur- murdered. Now here's some over 32 times is making a statement. That's what we call overkill. Yeah. Okay. The generally overkill is in a domestic relationship where they stab you over and over again because there's so much anger. This in my mind's eye stabbing a correctional officer over 32 times is making a fucking statement. It's like, yeah, bitch. We did it to him. We could do it to anybody. It's mutilation, mutilation. Then the worst way to the best person. But
2: right. you can only imagine the scene. The, oh, yeah. the, you know, the horror that whoever walked in that area first yeah. saw. There's blood everywhere.
1: Right. And it was. Everywhere. They said it was just an absolute massacre. Right. And the blood everywhere. Um, they ran for help. It went, the word went throughout the prison and holy shit. So, y'all, there's a lot of uh, different conflicting stories that we've read on who actually found him. One uh, said an inmate went in and found him and then walked back across the, uh, the walkway from the dorm and just lit a cigarette and stood there. Uh, um, I mean, but the other one is that a correction officer found them when they were coming back from breakfast. However, it may be the alarm went out, the all call, if you will, and you better believe
2: it was bad. Yeah, it. it you know, as we as we stated earlier, uh, in a prison, the you know short of short of an just an all out riot. This is probably the worst scenario you can have. An officer has just been brutally murdered. Uh, And so, you know, everybody from the warden on down is notified. Right. And the thing, too,
1: Angola sits in West Feliciana Parish in the state of Louisiana. Any major crime that happens inside the prison is still investigated by the local authorities. Okay. Now, naturally, the prison has their own investigators. But when this went down, the West Feliciana Parish Sheriff's Office, the sheriff himself came out, Sheriff Daniels. And then uh, all the wardens came. The investigators came. They called the state police. They called the state police crime lab. Now it's a crime scene. But before that, as this is going on, the first thing they did is lock down everybody. Oh, that means if you're in a dormitory, you caught your fucking bunk. And it, uh, it, like count time, you don't move. And, but you better believe that every, every guard that was off duty that lived on the B line came in. Everybody was responding to this. All call. Then you got your outside authorities coming in. You're not moving. And I feel, and again, I feel for the motherfuckers and convicts that weren't involved because everybody is a suspect, like I used to say on the homicide case, everybody's a suspect except for me, right? Yes, and so they're gonna find out, they gonna somebody's gonna pay for it. That's crook or crook. So you get all the <laughs> responding authorities, inmates are locked down. If you in the cell block, you went back to your cell, nobody went to work that day the authorities respond
2: and they start to investigate. Everybody's locked down, whether at you're not going anywhere. Total chaos, right. probably right. at this point. Uh, they come in, they start investigating this thing, and. Uh, you know, right off the bat, I would imagine the first thing they'd say was, well, who had access to him?" Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Uh, because you got to remember, most of the inmates were eating That's at right. this time. That's right. And then
1: the – but they had to lock like it down. They had mm-hmm. to lock like Brent down. They had to work the scene. Yeah. So I don't – I'll be honest with you, I, I just thought about this. I don't know what they did with the inmates who uh, weren't assigned to Pine One. Yeah, who knows where they put them, but they're not going to let it back into a crime
2: scene. No, I would imagine that, you know, just guessing and spitballing, they probably left them in the cafeteria. Maybe so, and locked them in there, I don't know. But the
1: they go in to work the crime scene, and they said it was so bloody. Um, think about this. Now, you're going in working the murder of a boy, of a, a young man that you've known since, since he was a boy. That you've known since you was a kid. I'm talking about the wardens and stuff. And even the sheriff would have known Brent's family, right? right. So it's personal. That's right. And, and then the crime scene techs show up and and basically get this part out of the way. You have to work the scene. Now there there was a bloody fingerprint found near his body, which that didn't mean shit, y'all. I mean, you got everybody in the world responding. Here's the deal. There, first of all, they would have touched him and it, uh, even with all the blood and seeing if he was alive uh, or if there's any way to save him. Once they realize, hey, he's ten seven 7 or deceased, then you leave it alone. You got to work it as a crime scene. So they come in, they work it as a crime scene. Then, then you, what, what do you have to do? You have to take one of your own, this young man that you've known your entire life, and put him in a body bag. Yeah. And then you got to haul him out, carry him out down the walkway in front of the whole prison, out the gate, put him in a hearse. When the coroner was done, put him in the hearse and take him for the autopsy. They say everybody in the prison saw that. Inmates, Guard guards. Guard towers, guards,
2: people that grew up with him. Holy shit. It would have been bad enough if it was a guard that had been there six months, and nobody knew him, and they, they learned to know him at Angolan. They loved him, and he was a great guy. Uh, this was a generational guard. Right. They they knew this guy, Brent Miller, since he was a baby. Some of them since right. he was born. Right. Grew Imagine up that. Him. He was part of a family. Grew up with him, played with him. They uh, like the... A graduating class
1: had probably like 28 people or whatever. And, and everybody loved him. So, teeny is where she is, beautician school or whatever. And her sister shows up and she already automatically knew something was wrong, seriously wrong. And her sister told her, Brent's been hurt. She said, Take, take me to him. So, she gets in the car with her sister drive to Angola. But she doesn't take Deanie to Brent. She turns on the B-Line and goes to their parents' house. And she said that she knew when she pulled up at the house and all of the whole family was there that
2: Brent was dead. Yeah. And so the whole family was there and they were all destroyed she was already concerned that day because they had been bucking up as we discussed in the last episode. Right. And so as soon as her sister showed up, I'm sure this was out of c- character. I mean, it, it probably, that might've been the first time she ever showed up exactly. while she was at uh beauty school. And as soon as she showed up, she probably was thinking, Oh shit, mm-hmm. something's wrong. Mm-hmm. She told her the news. Everything's haywire. At Angola at this point, yeah. But well,
1: she told her she said Brent's been hurt, and then yeah, you know, she's thinking that until she turned on the beeline, and they go to the family home, and the whole family's there, and she knew he's dead.
2: Yeah,
1: and the whole family is destroyed, as you
2: can imagine. Absolutely, not only you know immediate family, but as we said, this is generational guard, so that he was family to everybody. I can assure you, any guard that
1: hadn't responded to this all call. call uh, and marking this crime scene. They were at that house.
2: Yeah. Comforting and trying to comfort the wife and the family. Yeah. So uh, now you're processing a scene at some point, you, you know, these investigators are starting to make sense of what happened and look for suspects who did this. Right. So they're, they're interviewing every prisoner there, right, and there, there are accounts,
1: and we, I mean, we can't verify this one way or another that that they only interviewed I wouldn't say interview, I'd say interrogation of mm-hmm. uh, black inmates. Yeah, now why? Who knows? But let me, let me touch on one part one, and this can't be confirmed, uh, y'all, but one guy named Billy Sinclair who was on death row uh said there was a second story to death row and he remembers that night that they had black inmates he says they had black inmates upstairs and that you could hear the screams and all that and at some point there was tear gas used and he said they covered their faces talking about the death row inmates cover their faces with towels and try to not get so much exposure on them we don't if, if it's true or not I'm telling you what Billy Sinclair said uh I can tell you one thing it was a bad day to be a black man in Angola
2: yeah and and Billy Sinclair was a prison journalist that uh he was an actual prisoner but he was a, also an award-winning journalist right.
1: uh, the, I think it um they got the moratorium or something on the death penalty and so he got commuted to life that's one one account okay it was it was said for two days that they had no suspects or no one would give any
2: information. We'll
1: say it like that.
2: It was obvious that there was a conspiracy of sorts with this. It wasn't just one guy that knew this was going to go down. If I'm a detective, there's too many uh, things that led up to this that had to happen in order for this to be able to happen. So uh, obviously these investigators figured that out and, uh i would imagine at some point started putting pieces together and saying well who had access who had you know a motive uh the motive was was sort of easy and that was uh they were acting out and they knew this was the best way to do it
1: what, what a way to get everybody's attention they Right, to make a statement right they're over 32 times that's a statement if it's not a relationship thing which it wasn't it's a statement and <clears throat> boom Joe yeah. and the it goes on for the two days day and night whole prison's on lockdown they're interrogating et cetera, and everybody's been questioned eventually Ezekiel Brown y'all who we told you was having coffee with Brent originally when they interviewed him, he was like fuck you I don't know nothing about it absolutely nothing But after two days, he came back and changed his story. And he said that he was fixing coffee for Brent. Brent was sitting on the bunk when he saw Albert Woodfox, Herman Wallace, Gilbert Montague, and Chester Jackson enter the dorm and hold Brent down and stabbed him to death over and over again. Now, this presents some problems because Ezekiel Brown um, was also a sex offender, but that's neither here nor there. But the... It was said throughout the prison, Ezekiel Brown was a career rat. A snitch. Snitch. Snitches get stitches, right? But it was... have said that. He's a career rat. Even one of the wardens said, you know what, you can get Ezekiel Brown to say anything, but it doesn't mean that he's lying, right? Yeah. I mean, shit, he said it. He's stuck by it. So what do you do as an investigator with this piece of information? You're going to go dig in these guys, these four guys. Now, this is where we're going to start talking about some of the stuff, and this is not our own opinion, y'all. This is what we have researched. So, They start digging into Wood Fox and Wallace and Montague and
2: Chester Jackson. Now, Wood Fox and Wallace. Yeah, if you remember in episode one, we mentioned the Black Panther Party. Uh, And the Black Panther Party played a role in, in this story. And that was that Wood Fox and Wallace were members of the Black Panther Party. And not only were they members, they were the first two individuals and the only two individuals to successfully launch a Black Panther Party chapter in a uh, state prison. And that was Angola. And the, they started in, in the it, United States, In the United States, the only, the only one uh, anybody's even aware of that was a legitimate black Panther party, meaning it was recognized by the original members as a chapter. Right. So a little bit of
1: back history on that. When they begin to dig into these gentlemen, these convicts, what happened, but um, let me give you a little back history on them. So Wallace and Wood Fox, were each sent to Angola in 1971, and Wallace was convicted of a bank robbery, and Woodfox was convicted of an armed robbery, and Woodfox had been sentenced to 50 years in prison, but Woodfox had escaped from the Orleans Parish courthouse during the sentence hearing, and and fled to New York City, okay, in Harlem in particular, which was the home and the headquarters for the Black Panther movement as it was growing. So when he was there, um, that's where he became, he, he met the men for the first time who were members of the Black Panther Party. And he said that's the first time in his life that he ever saw a black man stand up with pride, and, you know, it, he loved that, right? And he, and he got in with them, and they liked him, uh, and he just— totally took on the beliefs, uh, uh, their belief system and their cause. And when he was there, though, in New York City, he was captured by the police and jailed. When Wood Fox is locked up in the New York City jail, the Black Panther Party was really prevalent inside the jail. But he liked the ideas of what they were doing. They were teaching other inmates to read, and they led political discussions, and they actually started to educate Woodbox. Um, and for Woodbox, the teachings of the Panthers given his life a direction and a moral meaning he had never previously found. So he joined the Black Panther Party and kept his intellectual connection after it dissolved years later, y'all. He began to learn about American history and the justice system, but eventually he got returned to Louisiana where he was incarcerated in Angola that's when he started the Black Panther party
2: in Angola that's right and and you know if if you put yourself in that situation it, the Black Panther party to him meant a lot because as he stated it was the first time he had ever seen a party stand up and be proud be not only be proud to be a a black man but also believe that they can do anything together as a group and they, um, and they
1: were trying to grow themselves intellectually uh, and they were standing up for their rights the, they, I mean, really, they had a lot of really good ideas. Yeah. And, but, and, I mean, unfortunately the militant part,
2: the militant part of what they were doing, you know, put a bad light on on a lot of the positive things. Like like
1: the jail that they were locked up in New York City, the Black Panthers ended up rioting in it because of the conditions in the jail and it caused the their state legislature to eventually tear that jail down. Woodfox gets to Angola and he meets Wallace. Okay? And Wallace also fell into the Black Panther ideology, and he became a member. And he and Woodfox were among activists that seek to improve the conditions at Angola, which is
2: you know, notoriously violent. And one of the things that they're known for is, in in a positive thing, as as me and Woody have told you, Angola had a lot of issues with uh, sex um male-on-male sex issues and and uh this was something that the black panther party was against right and that's uh, that's a rape of of anybody i would imagine so one of the
1: documentaries we watched they had they interviewed a white inmate and he said from angola and he said look you come down that walk the first day and you carrying your stuff don't let anybody um, offer to help you carry on that You know, y'all coming in, and they're carrying everything right. They're struggling to get to their cell box or wherever they're going. He said, don't let anybody offer to help carry stuff Cause if you do, you think they're a friend, but then they go show up at nine o'clock at night and they go fuck you in the ass. And that's, that's right. his words, not mine.
2: That's right. Cause, cause that's I, I carried your beanbag yeah, for you. Bean bag. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna get a poke, right? Yeah. And, uh, so they were against that and and uh, wanted to clean that up. That was one of the things they stood for. And, and the other
1: thing they stood for, one of the other things they stood for, is they, they, they realized they were never going to get anywhere if they didn't educate themselves. Okay, yeah. So they helped to organize the education of other prisoners. And they even went so far as, uh, talking about bucking up, to – trying to get petitions signed and when those didn't work they organized hunger strikes uh, um, to protest the segregation within the prison. Yeah, So even back then the whites and the blacks were separated. Correct. Uh, And and of course they, they tried to end the widespread rape and the violence. They want the murders to stop. They were like hey why are you fucking killing each other? You know what I mean? Let's organize. Don't kill each other. Let's get something to change. You want the change to happen. Let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know what? didn't always work that way.
2: They organized that chapter. They started bringing people in. They were the first uh, state prison and the only, as we said, to organize like that inside of a prison. Uh, but they became well-known because of that. Right. Uh, don't think the guards and the right. warden and all that didn't know that, hey, the Black Panther Party had hit going. The Black Panther Party at that time— the FBI—they
1: just had a shootout in New Orleans not long before right. Black Panthers and the cops, and and they had blacks on TV be like, "I'm proud, I'm proud to see my people shooting out with the police." Right, y'all, this is these are hard times. This this is, you know, segregation was a real fucking thing. The, the 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 racism and stuff, real thing. The good, bad, or indifferent on both sides. I mean, I'm not saying one way or another, right. but it was real. So when they were in Angola. They they were having these meetings. They had to do them in secret. They said they would go out on like to the ball field and get a couple inmates together and talk to them about, hey, why the fuck are you raping people? We got to stop these rapes. We got to stop these
2: stabbings. So let's organize and stand up against the man. Hundred percent. The FBI told Angola, hey, you've got a Black Panther chapter right here in your prison. You need to watch them because the FBI had the had a hard on for, for the black Panther and a good reason that the black Panther party did do some things to officers that, you know, they weren't innocent in that. There were some murders in several different areas of the country, but those two inmates in particular were known as the formers of that of in leaders of that chapter inside Angola prior to this incident. And and so they, they scoop them up y'all. Um,
1: Wood Fox, Wallace, Montague, and Chester Jackson. And of course, all of them denied it. Like, fuck you, we didn't do it, right? But then you get a lot of stuff starts coming out in like witnesses um that saw that say they saw different things. Prisoners talking. Prisoners, prisoners talking to to the guards. Now this is kind of a, a catch twenty two. Now I know the the, the powers that be wanted naturally to catch Miller's killers, right? The the and so it was known if you came forward and talked, hey, we were gonna show you a little bit of love, right? And so Ezekiel Brown coming forward and the naming these guys, well, we go on and we'll tell you what all happened with him later on. But even though he was known as a rat. It doesn't mean he wasn't there because it was established that he did have coffee with Brent in the mornings. But the other people came out, like one guy came out and said that he saw Wood Fox running from Pine One in bloody clothing that he went to the license plate factory and stripped off his bloody clothing and burned it in a furnace and then he had a key to get other clothing out where they swapped out after work and he got regular clothing on the left. Well, the fuck the only problem with that was, y'all, there's no furnace in the license plate plant. So yeah. obviously this fucker was lying, right? And then you get some other ones. Uh, one witness who actually testified at trial said he saw a wood fox coming from around the uh, Pine one at the time of the murder in...
2: The problem with that was this guy was looking for a new and healthier way to unwind. I was too. And then I tried recess mood, recess mood replaced that after dinner alcoholic beverage for me. So I saw a difference in both my mood and my belly. It's made with real fruit. It is only 20 calories and it contains no added sugar. Recess Mood is infused with functional ingredients like mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangovers. Recess Mood tastes great too and comes in four different flavors. My favorite flavor is the Strawberry Rose. So whether you need a moment away from the errands, work, and kids, or you just need a moment of chill during dinnertime chaos, recess mood is where it's at whenever you need to relax and unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to rlrc and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement.
1: mostly blind. He was actually blind in one eye and in the other eye he was legally blind. But they used him and used his testimony and even and they've admitted what, how his eyesight was. But everybody, not everybody, people were coming forward, giving information. A lot of it was proven to be obviously bullshit. And, and, but ultimately, they arrested Wood Fox, Wallace,
2: Montague, and Chester Jackson charged them. They had to stand trial. As any investigation that Woody can speak on, you got to gather evidence. You get your witnesses. They've been. They were doing all of that. And look, this wasn't people out in society that you could you could garner these witnesses that were just upstanding citizens, right, where you say, I've got the perfect star witness right here. This guy's never done anything wrong or this gal. and You know, these were all prisoners that you had to rely on their testimony in order to build a case. Unfortunately, when these type of situations happen,
1: especially in Angola, you're not dealing with choir boys. I mean, you're dealing with murders and rapists and lifelong snitches, whatever it may be. That doesn't mean what they're saying is not true, but some of them are just fucking lying. Uh, and what can I get really out of investment. it kind of what thing? What can I get out of it? So there you have it. They're arrested. They're indicted by the grand jury, and it has to go to trial. Now, let me, let's go back a couple steps. The investigation... I mean, you want to call it overzealous, whatever. I can not tell you that I wouldn't have done it myself uh, um, had it been one of my brothers who got killed. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were some beatings, and, and I'm sure Billy Sinclair is not lying about the hearing the inmates scream upstairs and whatever, and this one went for two days before people started coming in forward with information. The I'm not saying it's right, y'all, by any means, but you better believe they were going to find out who did it, period. Yeah. By any means
2: necessary. Um, I'm sure somewhere along the line said, You find out who killed that boy. Yeah. And, and. Uh, well, nobody's going home till we get, we got. You got to make them talk,
1: they, right? That's right. And, and, and on top of that, you're sending a message to stop the bucking up. Hey, oh, yeah, you just did the most serious crime you can do. Let,
2: that's let's, right. Let's see who's going to do what you're going to do now, motherfuckers. And that's a huge point, people. There had to be a response and there had to be a hard response because had there not been. It wouldn't have stopped. It could have been It's all right there. Yes, exactly. And and hey, you got to have a consequence for killing a guard or it's going to happen frequently. Um, so, so the response had to be swift. It had to be hard. And they did what they had to do to build a case. Right. And good, bad, or indifferent. Now, no way
1: that would have stood today, um, because it's a different culture, right? But let me tell you this the, the response is as much to stop the prisoners from bucking as it was to calm the free people. The um the people on the B line, we're getting justice. We're taking care of our own, right? But even that, um, some of the guards still blame the
2: wardens, yeah. for Brent
1: Miller's murder.
2: That's right. They they released dozens of prisoners just prior to this that were in lockdown. Right. So the thought, the mental thought, there was. These prisoners were very disgruntled, mentally distraught at this time. You've been in lockdown for who knows how long. Now dozens of them were released all at the same time. They try not to do that because those prisoners have to reacclimate to not being in lockdown when you release dozens at the same time, they all start talking and they're finally out of there and they're communicating and they can create a riot if you're not careful. So that was one of the thought processes was the warden at that time. Warden, uh, Henderson. warden Henderson released them uh, uh, too many at one time and that they were able to kind of create a, almost a conspiracy here of this is what we're going to do. Some people may be wondering what about, Security cameras at that time, were there not any? Nope, it didn't exist. The security cameras were the the eyes on the correctional
1: officers. No no security cameras. Absolutely none. But the deal being, you're going back to... Somebody should have seen somebody running down the walkway with blood all over them. This establishes a bloody crime scene. You're not going to kill somebody, stab them 38 times, and not get blood on you. Even if you're holding them down and you didn't stab them, you're going to have... According to, to uh, Hezekiah, whatever his name is, you, you you got four guys that partook in it, four guys that should have been covered in bloody, and you're looking for evidence.
2: That's right. And 30 stabbing someone 32 plus times, there's blood everywhere. Right. And
1: then now during the investigation, they did take um, Sheriff Daniels and them. Took what they thought, and then, y'all, there was no DNA. Uh, I mean, you couldn't even confirm a stain if it was human blood or animal blood. Time, but they did take some of the, um, the clothing from some of these that were accused that looked like it may have had a few spots or something on it. Well, uh, yeah, fuck me. It, if you stab him thirty eight times, you're gonna have a lot more than a few spots. But it, that was never proven one way or another, uh, whether it was or it wasn't. The the bloody fingerprint. The one thing that was proven is it didn't come back to any of these four guys. But homicide, homicide investigator standpoint. Fuck that. That means nothing. That it's damaging against the prosecution, but it means nothing because you got all the first responders, you got coroners, you got uh, uh, everybody that went there could be anybody's thumbprint, right? But the one thing when they said all that, they never, never said that they tested to see if it was Brent Miller's thumbprint, fingerprint. Great point. Yep. So,
2: Okay, you've got a lawnmower blade. You're not using a steak knife here. Or a sharpened toothbrush. Or a sharpened yeah. toothbrush. But you're using a lawnmower blade. So the velocity of which you're you're hitting some with that, you're going through bone, you're piercing skin, and then you're yanking that blade out. Blood as it travels out of the body. Is it a spray? Is it? I right, said so it's called blood spray batter
1: s-p-a-t-t-e-r and the deal is whether you if you're getting shot and the bullet goes through you or let's I, I stab jim when i pull it back out the blood that comes out the first blood that comes out is going to come out slower than the, the blood behind it because it, it has to come get past the, where the skin area is and the weapon but there's certainly going to be more blood behind that that's, that's flowing faster than the first blood that comes out and when the, that Faster blood hits the slower blood. That's what makes the spray. The blood literally explodes. That's what the blood spatters call it. But here's the problem. The, uh, uh, the, unless they had that lawnmower blade really taped up with something good, if you're stabbed, I've never worked a stabbing to death where the person that was doing the stabbing didn't cut their fucking hands because you hit them with such force that you slide. Uh, yeah. Um, your hands going to slide at some point. So I don't know on that. I'm, I, I'm just that just popped in my head. But as far as I know, none of them had any injuries.
2: Yeah, and and my point to that whole thing was, uh, when you you know with that object, you're throwing blood everywhere. It's going to be all over everybody, right? Right. right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, and
1: it obviously what had to be. I mean, they could have been wearing. Hazmat suits, and it would have gotten on the hazmat suits. I don't know what happened to the clothing two days later. I mean, you know, but if I'm going to do it, think about this, you know. I always say prisons are full of dummies, but that's, it's hard to catch a smart one. Well, there's some smart ones in there, right? doesn't mean they're formally educated. If I'm planning out the brutal murder of a correction officer, first of all, you've got it it's, it's premeditated because you brought a fucking sharpened lawnmower blade, right? Somebody had to get the blade – sharpen it, sneak it out and all that. So, you know what you're going to do with it. You damn well better believe I know what the fuck I'm going to do with my clothes. Yeah. I, I might've had, um, I well, I think one of the things they were protesting is they didn't have like rain slickers when they work in the field and stuff, but I've either had a rain slicker on or I had a change of clothes. Um, you know, we don't know how long Brent was down for They They, they took the inmates to chow Come back, you know, Hezekiah Brown was making them cough, and we don't know how long we're down for. I'm going to have a change of clothes, period. So I don't know. I'm not making excuses. Obviously, uh, they should have searched everywhere and found
2: them. There's nowhere to burn them. They couldn't fucking burn them. Look, they got twenty four hours a day that's, that's, oh yeah, to that's plan. True. That's that. true. I will it, always say that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a situation where uh, there is no life outside of prison. So right. you got twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, to sit there and think about how the hell you're going to get yeah, away right. with something. And that's exactly yeah. right. And
1: and it's,
2: um, some of the things they come up with are so genius. So the
1: these are intelligent men. I, I don't know about Montague, but I've, I've seen the. Um, interviews, et cetera, with the rest of them. And they're intelligent. They're not dummies. But the clothing, I don't know. I can't answer. The cuts on the hands, maybe they had gloves on. I don't know. Uh, But if if I'm going to do the ultimate crime in the prison, I'm going to be prepared. Whether I had a garbage bag or, you know, shit might have walked in and stuffed your clothes down on the thing, and then went in and killed him, changed your clothes, and left. I don't know. Maybe they took a fucking shower. I don't know, but there's a reason. Investigators didn't find bloody
2: clothing, right? And, and piles of it. At that, they narrow all this down after Hezekiah Brown gives a statement to the to the powers that be, basically saying, you know, that he was fixing coffee and and that Wallace Montague. Jackson and, and, um, I just drew a to total blank. Oh, Wood nice. Fox, Wood Fox, Jackson, Montague and Wallace attacked Miller. And so now they had the, the smoking gun. They've got the witness that was there. He wasn't, you know, your optimal witness, but as, as Woody said, you know, it's what you got. Right. And they also had what they believed to be a motive was, Hey, Two of these guys are Black Panther chapter starters here, right. and it became a racial thing. Right? He's a white guard. Right. They're they're Black Panthers, and and that's what they made the statement on. That's why y'all.
1: Uh, um, when I say the the bad part of the Black Panthers, the shooting of the police, and it happened in yours, and it happened all over. But the that's that's bullshit. Okay, to to me. Uh, they, I, I like the ideology that they that they back the Constitution, but um, and they want everybody to tr- be treated the same. But one of the things they're bucking up on this time, Jim, was they wanted every black man in the United States of America to be free, because it said. In the U.S. Constitution, they said uh, you should be tried by a jury of your peers, and they said no black man that was in prison anywhere in the United States had been tried by a pe- jury of his peers. Well, I mean, it is what it is. I don't know uh, on that. Yeah. But that shit wasn't going to happen, right? Yeah. Uh, but the ultimate statement, if you're going to make it, be to kill the white guard, the oppressor.
2: And not only a white guard, a Generational. generational. White guard. White guard,
1: and that everybody like that everybody that we're making a statement
2: becomes a casualty of war.
1: Yes, casualty of war for real. All right, so y'all, this this is where we're at, and then we're going to end this episode. And then the next episode, we should be able to wrap it up. Remember, the crime occurred, the murder occurred on Angola, West. Feliciana Paris Sheriff is their arresting officer. They arrest these four. Now, being it's a it's a first degree murder case, it has to go to the grand jury, which is also going to be impaneled and sitting in West Louisiana Um it went to the grand jury and we'll get to that on the next episode, but it went to the grand jury, they're indicted and then like they say, take that shit to trial, right? And they're not going to plead. Uh, they they all deny any involvement, right? Of course. I mean, they say, "Hey, motherfucker, wouldn't we weren't even there? No, we're around it. Yeah, didn't have anything to do
2: with it." Well, look, you kill. You know, you're charged with killing a prison guard. Right. It's about the worst thing you can do inside of a prison. Uh, If the death penalty had been in place then and you got convicted of that, you would fry. No doubt about it. And they'd have a party. And they'd have a party. Um, So at minimum, you're looking at life in prison if you didn't already have it. At minimum. The only reason they didn't, you know, the death penalty was on a moratorium, I believe, at that time. And everybody that um, if you were already on death
1: row then they converted them to life sentence. And then during that time, you know, naturally you couldn't be sentenced to death. Yes. Uh, so how many licenses can you do? I don't know, but in the next episode, we're going to tell you where this case gets really crazy. Good, bad or indifferent. We're going to tell you the truth. Wow. That's a lot of thunder. It <laughs> was like a bomb. Yeah. Good, bad or indifferent. We're going to tell you the truth on it. Cause it needs to be told. Um, and this story has gone on, and to this day,
2: yes. And and um, so we look forward to bringing you that look. There's no way we could have done this in one or two episodes. It's just too much. It's right. too much. And look, Brent Miller de- deserves that story to be told, absolutely, in the great. in the right way. So we hope you're enjoying it. It just gets crazier from here, right? right. The, the And a lot of stuff that's coming up, and we can
1: certainly say we don't agree with and whatever, but, again, it's not our personal opinions that that caused everything to happen. Um, We'll we'll tell you on the next episode.
2: Yes. So we do want to thank everyone, all your – shares comments we love reading them and and uh, you know we try to be as responsive as possible with those I think we do a pretty good job of that and and it's nothing but love and and Woody and I both just absolutely love reading them absolutely thank you all for your support uh, of what we're trying to bring you here with the bloodiest president in America that's
1: right and then and again uh not only in the comments y'all on Facebook etc um if you can, please leave a review for Bloody and Gold. But we get natural; we can't respond to those
2: comments. But it helps other listeners find the show. Yeah, it's a it's an algorithm thing with Apple, and uh, it is so important, so important uh, to get those reviews. And if, if you don't, a lot of you don't have um, iPhones or whatever, you can leave a review anywhere.
1: Absolutely, Any, anywhere you listen to a podcast, and we would appreciate it. It means a lot. Uh, the Brent Miller story will continue next week. And, y'all, you know, after we conclude this, the we're going to be bringing you a multitude of different stories. So, so, But this is a hard one, and it needs to be told.
2: And we want to mention our website, bloodyangolapodcast.com. You can get video and or audio episodes right there. You don't have to go anywhere else. Uh, if you'd like to. And, and you, there's even a link there to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So you can do it straight from that page if you're not sure how to do it. Um, so please check that out. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Every audio format you can dream of. And the YouTube is very interactive. It's an experience. Uh, and you'll see kind of pictures as we go along. And, you, you know, me and Woody talking back and forth, and you might even see the, the bumps pop up on our arms You're in certain, right. in certain right spots because we really get, you know, these stories mean something to us. And, yeah. and, and uh, so we, we appreciate and love each and every one of you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. And to our sponsors, thank you so much. show couldn't happen without you. Um,
2: we back them all. Yeah, that's right, and we we stand behind those sponsors one thousand percent. So please, you know, give them a shot right. next time you need a service that that's maybe right. maybe you see on this on this podcast or here. Uh, so until the next episode, I'm Jim Chapman
1: and I'm Woody Overton,
2: and we thank you for listening to Bloody Angola, a podcast one hundred and forty two years in the making. The truth. Story of the bloodiest prison
1: in America.
2: Peace.
0: Yeah,
1: the rights remain silent. They say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to it, during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights?